Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe presented by Coop Aleworks. We're back in the podcast studio, but me and Nick Gallo, we've been on the road recently. We spent some time in San Antonio and then in New Orleans before that. So we got back last night and we've got a road trip to recap, Gallo. This this has been quite the stretch of basketball for the Thunder. Yeah, we're here now, but we're not going to be here for very long. <laughs> Actually, the Thunder had, out of the All-Star break, had a stretch of nine games in 14 days. Mm-hmm. And after a couple days off, that was extremely nice. The team is now embarking kind of right in the middle of a stretch of eight out of 10 games that are going to be on the road with just two single game homestands here against the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday and then Phoenix Suns on Sunday. So this is, you know, coming down to the wire for the Thunder in a grueling stretch for OKC. Um, And so I think the fact that they were able to bank those two really strong performances on the road in New Orleans and uh, then again in San Antonio, really impressive stuff. Yeah, I I forget who we were talking to at practice the other day. I think it was Jeremiah Robinson Earl who said, we knew March was going to be a little bit of a slog to get through. And it's, it's the final full month of the season, but by no means is it any sort of respite or, or rest for this group in terms of kind of hitting that downhill slope. No, things are gearing up right now. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you see it just with the competitiveness of the teams that the Thunder is playing night in and night out. And this is a great test for the youngest team in the NBA this season to go up against so many of these squads. The Thunder just finished a string of 19 straight games against Western Conference teams. I mean, yeah. you look at the West and everybody is like hyper competitive and, and really high quality opponents across the board. And so to you know to kind of survive that gauntlet now, you got a couple tough uh, road games, or tough games coming up against Eastern Conference teams in Brooklyn and Toronto. And this is where you know these this young team can learn what it really means to be in the fight night in and night out during the slog of an 82 game season. And the Thunder coming off of a back to back where 48 hours before that back to back they were coming off of another back to back but it was a stretch of 3 games and 4 nights. So this group has really hit just a, a really tough stretch of basketball but we're seeing some really positive signs from this group. In fact, let, let's talk about this back-to-back yeah. a little bit. It started in New Orleans against a really good Pelicans team who's obviously been very competitive this year, hungry as a, as a team and as an organization, and they were it's a Friday night in yeah. New Orleans, Smoothie King Center, like all eyes were kind of on this game. And the Thunder, they, they came out strong, set a tone from the outset, and the defense in this game was a really big focus for the Thunder, especially coming off of a loss in in Phoenix where the, the defense wasn't quite there. Right. Phoenix kind of had their way the entire night. The Thunder really, really honed in on that defensive end of the floor, got the win in New Orleans, and then carried that over into San Antonio on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, much better performance as you just look more holistically at the back-to-back than the previous one that they had earlier in the week. And those are the types of you know, steps forward that the Thunder wants to see on a you know week-to-week, month-to-month, year-over-year basis is like, how are you handling these situations better than maybe you were previously? I think the New Orleans game is a perfect example of that you know, season long growth where the Thunder, every time that they had played the Pelicans up to this point, the three other matchups had really gotten punched in the mouth in the first quarter. And yet down in New Orleans, down in, in, in that environment, as you mentioned, Paris, the Thunder was the one that delivered the first punch and really set the tone of the game defensively. Then to turn around with 19 hours in between the end of the game on Saturday in New Orleans and the start of the game on Sunday in San Antonio, 
that Thunder team, you know, losing the hour, it's an early game in San Antonio, comes out and they deliver the exact same type of defensive punch to start the game, held the Spurs to just 19 points in that first quarter. And one other thing, in, in addition to the adversity of the time crunch in between games with the spring forward and playing an hour earlier, the Thunder was without Shea Gilgis-Alexander right. on the second night of that back-to-back. And so all of these kind of, you know, different tests of adversity coming to the Thunder. And this is when we've seen the team kind of rally and be the best version of itself because it, 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 at the Thunder's core, they want to be a team that competes together and solves problems with everybody on the floor. And that's exactly what we saw in San Antonio. One of my favorite stats from this entire game was the fact that every single player made a three against the Spurs. This is a game where the Thunder didn't shoot the ball very well no, from three. under 30%. Under yeah. 30%. I'm pulling up the stats right now. Under 30%. They only made 10 threes, and nine guys played. <laughs> Every single guy made a three-pointer. And that was kind of a, an indication of how well-rounded this group was able to contribute throughout the game, and that was necessary in this sort of environment and situation. Yeah, and... You know, this is where team. This is what teams are made of, right? When can you band together? Can you just manufacture what you need to manufacture when you're not on your A game from a shooting standpoint? How do you generate the types of stops that you need to to at least be able to to push the scoreboard forward enough and hold off your opponents from those big massive scoring runs? I also thought just the endurance and the mental stamina in that San Antonio game was super impressive. The Thunder went up by 17 in the first half. San Antonio just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, heading into halftime. Then they came all the way back and tied the game at 59 midway through that third quarter. Would have been a very easy opportunity for this Thunder team, very road weary, to have just folded. And, you know, it's a, you don't have Shea, you don't have, you know, no excuses were made. They stood and delivered, went on a big run immediately after that, and was really able to close the game, and it didn't even get to to clutch time because the Thunder held that um, commanding double-digit lead. And it was really the the defensive end for for the Thunder, both in the San Antonio game and the New Orleans game, that just shined. We've already kind of talked about it a lot, but one area in particular that stands out, the Thunder held both of these opponents to under 100 points, back-to-back games, and this says a lot, especially against a, a New Orleans team who's been, you know, surging offensively. They love to hit the paint. They they love to score in bunches. They have a lot of guys, a lot of perimeter guys with a lot of length and ability to get downhill. And what we saw was a really swarming defense. And it was it was it was a mixture of really great on ball defense from guys like Lou and guys like J Dub, but also the rotations in these games were so sharp. It was the the backside, the help side defense that everyone was just vigilant and just on point with those rotations throughout the game. We saw so many guys digging their hands in on those the they call it the low man position mm-hmm. where you're you're that guy that's kind of at the the opposite block of where the initial action is. You've got to be the first one into the lane to block off any rolls to the rim, anybody trying to go up for an alley-oop, uh, anybody cutting through the middle of the floor, but you've also got to be in position to get back to the corner uh, if that ball swings around and rotates into the corner. So a lot of pressure put on that position, and the Thunder was there almost every single time uh, in both of those games. Uh, I remember Lou Dort vividly getting a big-time steal in one of those situations um, as C.J. McCollum tried to, to cut into the lane there. So um, just... Really strong performance, and I think the the Spurs game should not be overlooked because San Antonio coming into that matchup had won three out of five games, including yeah. a victory over the number one team in the West, the Denver Nuggets. And so, and I think they had scored 110 points in a handful of games in a row leading up to that matchup. So for the Thunder to hold them to just 90, uh, I think says 
as much about OKC as maybe you know San Antonio not having a good shooting night. Yeah, and it took everybody out there on the floor. I mean, Jay Will had four steals in yeah. this game as well. So everybody had to kind of contribute and make sure that they were on their P's and Q's for a full 48 minutes, and that's exactly what we saw. We also saw some really strong individual performances and some really great signs of growth for some of the Thunder's young players. We're going to get into those guys and their games right after this. Don't go anywhere. Coop Works is the proud sponsor of Thunder Basketball Universe. Brewers of the fan favorites F5 IPA and 99 Calorie Ice Chest IPA. You'll find those and many more Coop beers at retailers across Oklahoma. Learn more at CoopLWorks.com. All right, we talked a lot about defense to start this podcast, but we got we to gotta talk a little bit about the offense because we saw some really strong stuff from some Thunder's young players. And one guy in particular who we've had our eye on all season long has been Usman Jang. And his his ride this season has just been so up and down, whether it was getting that, that injury that kept yeah. him out for a, a sustained amount of time or continuous trips to the G League. It's just been ups and downs, highs and lows. And... Right now, he's in the middle of a stretch for the Thunder where he's getting some really significant minutes, meaningful minutes out there on the floor, some great matchups out there on the floor. And how about this? In San Antonio, he put up a season-high, career-high 17 points. Yeah, I think this is a perfect example of why the Thunder targets character and and guys that have that fortitude within them in the draft. Because I remember distinctly Sam Presti talking about after the draft saying he was really intrigued by – 17, 18-year-old Usman Jang's decision to leave the comforts of his home in France and go all the way across the world and go play in the NBL in New Zealand and Australia. And the way that he navigated that season in New Zealand where, you know, there's all sorts of COVID protocols, they couldn't even play in their home gym. He had a really rough start to the season, but then the back half of the year, he was really solid from behind the three-point line. It really picked up his game the last 12, 13 games of the season. You combine that with the the physical talents that he has. Well, we're seeing a very similar story play out here with, with Usman at the NBA level, which is he had some adversity to go through coming to a brand new place. He's still learning English. He's, you know, kind of gone through a lot uh, to this point as you laid out with the injury and the trips with the OKC Blue. But here, towards the end of the season, he's getting these cracks. He's had 25 NBA games under his belt, many more G League games as well. We're seeing him play with the type of force and the type of consistent level of hard play that the Thunder was, you know, really focused on from the very start with him. And it's so cool to see a guy be able to have a plan laid out for him at the beginning of the season and not go completely according to plan, but get on track as the year goes along and have that, again, that fortitude to be able to end up in the place that he was really hoping to by the end of the year. And it's really impressive when you take into account how old he is. He's 19 years old. He's so young and is facing adversity in one of the highest pressure situations he's probably ever been in before. And he's handling it very, very well. And one thing that I'm I'm seeing from Ooze is just how coachable he seems yeah. to be because the biggest homework assignment that he's received from the Thunder coaching staff this season has been to play with force and apply physicality in everything that you do, offensively and defensively. And 
before he got injured with, with that wrist injury earlier this season, he had started to tap into that. We started to see plays where he was attacking aggressively downhill yeah. or not being willing to tie up a guy, you know, to, for a jump ball rather than let him go and, and get a layup. Those are the sort of plays we were starting to see. And now that he's back from that wrist injury, he, he did have to like work his way back into it. And that's where the, the OKC blue really played a big factor in his, his comeback to the thunder. But in this San Antonio game, it was everywhere. Yeah. The the force, the physicality, the the lack of fear when it comes to contact, the I'm not going to be deterred because your hand is in the way. I'm going to finish through this play. And one play that did it that really showed it for me was he it was a, it was the coast to coast play. Yeah. He got a rebound. He went coast to coast. He had a full court layup ahead of him, but there was I, I forget which player from San Antonio literally like had his hand on the ball around Ooze's hands. And Ooze just ripped the ball from him and finished at the front of the rim, undeterred. Just didn't wasn't waiting for a whistle, wasn't looking for a whistle, didn't let that just you know derail the situation. But that was a sign there that Ooze is getting back into that physicality that the Thunder coaching staff wants to see from him. Yeah, and those just weren't the plays that he was not capable of at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season, and it just you know more evidence of the Thunder's player development program. And when guys are fully invested in it, because ultimately. It comes down to the guys. It comes down to the players and their ability to take those strides, make those improvements, be coachable, as you're saying, and then go out there and execute it. And I, I think Ooze has done an amazing job. And uh, it's been an interesting corollary to kind of see a guy like Dario Saric mm. in the rotation for the Thunder. This is a player who came from overseas, highly skilled player. When he came into the league, very young player. He was not nearly as physical as we're seeing him play right now at, when he was in his first one, two, three seasons in the NBA. And it just goes to show that that can be an acquired skill over the course of a career. And for a guy like Usman, we're already seeing the signs of him being able to acquire that just in his first season as a 19-year-old. So uh, you know, it's obviously not a one-to-one comparison between those two players. They are vastly different players. Mm-hmm. Usman's you know, skill level and athleticism and ability to you know, do so much on the floor, uh, obviously, you know, gives him such a high ceiling, but I think he's got an example right here in his locker room of yep. a guy who maybe had a similar career path and journey and had to acquire this baseline skill. That's absolutely vital to have a long, you know, 10 year career in the NBA. I mean, what was it like Dario's first five games with the thunder? He was averaging like an and one per yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. It was something wild like yeah. that. And we were both thinking, wow, we didn't realize, you know, how physical Dario is around the rim, but yeah. it is a learned skill. It's an acquired skill. And then you contrast that with a guy like Jay will, who had probably like the most physical, physically ready NBA profile yeah. coming into the NBA, but still yet we've heard Coach Dagnall talk about how Jay Will still is learning how to use his physicality in an NBA game, like and how to use his body to his advantage. And it, it's it's a learned skill for everybody. And Usman is is definitely taking strides in that department, and it's showing up on the stat sheet as well. We've mentioned two of the three rookies <laughs> that have played for the Thunder this, this season. Is true. Should we talk about the third? We should probably talk about yeah. the third because he is com- he came off a wrist injury. We're talking about Jalen Williams, J-Dub from Santa Clara. He had that wrist injury, that wrist sprain that kept him out for a couple of games and he was back in action for this back-to-back for the Thunder starting in New Orleans and you know, Nick, he didn't miss a beat at all. You would have thought that he played in every single game up to that point. He just picked up right where he left off. Yeah, and where he left off is just a, a surge right now with mm-hmm. his career, with his scoring. Uh, nine of his 12 20-point games this season have happened within the last 19 games. So really the last like quarter of the season, he is 
been been surging as a scorer. We see him hit just some wild moves on I the know. floor to be able to get to his spots that behind the back, picked the ball up with his left hand, didn't even bring his right hand back over, flipped up a layup against the, the Pelicans, was just absolutely sensational. And then some big-time moments in kind of nearing crunch time in San Antonio where he scores off the bounce, you know, bangs one in off the backboard on going right, and then knocks down a wide-open corner three on a, on a kickout from Isaiah Joe. Those were two absolutely massive buckets for this team. And it's not just the offense for J-Dub that really sets him apart. It is what he's capable of on the defensive end. He's got a seven-foot-two wingspan, and we hear it from Coach Dagnold all the time about just how yeah. um, how quick J-Dub learns. And so he sees the pictures. He's starting to pick up on these tendencies very quickly, and so he's a very good anticipatory player. He understands what players are going to do, where the ball is going to go, and we see that play out with the steals. He had a stretch of 13 games with at least one steal. I think that's what the stat ended up being, yes. which was the longest in the longest active streak. He, he it was it was broken a couple games ago or this last game, but that goes to show the consistency that we're seeing from him on the defensive end, also the playability that he has on the yeah. defensive end. He can guard just about every single player out there on the floor, especially if it's a smaller lineup for the opponent and he's he's very very consistent on that end of the floor, which is very very impressive for a rookie. Yeah, he's got 84 steals on the season, and if you just do the math, that's more than one a game. Mm-hmm. That's one possession every game that he's saving right. this team, and you know he's got 30 some blocks as well. So a guy like Jadub, who gives you so much on offense, for him to be that disruptive defensively as well, and you think about the margins of these games over the course of a season, one two possessions each direction is absolutely massive, and so um, for him to continue to kind of come into his own as a defender in addition to what he's done offensively he's obviously putting himself in the category of you know potential for the all-rookie team mm-hmm. and you know he's he's certainly putting himself in the mix as one of these core players moving forward for the Thunder who are going to help propel this team to where they want to be long term I, I love the conversation about normally at this point of the season the rookies are hitting their yeah. wall and Coach Dagnall has said, yeah, Jalen's hitting more of a stride yeah. than, than a wall. And I, I think back to when he got hurt earlier this season and, and he had that that injury to his eye and how he said that that kind of helped him mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, settle down a little bit and see the game differently. And he was able to kind of pick up on things during his timeout. And he has really kind of hit his stride now. I, I, I wonder how much that, that time – away from basketball earlier in the season probably helped him. You know, my read on J-Dub is that if he has five minutes away from the game, that's like a torturously long time for him. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I do understand how tantalizing it must have been to be starting your NBA career and have that taken away from you right away. And the amount of hunger that that probably bred in him um, from the very outset of this season. And I think we're seeing that obviously um, come to the forefront here with the way that he's played recently. And uh, I know Thunder fans, I mean, we, we see the we see the comments we hear from fans just that this is a guy that fans love watching play. And, and part of the reason is he plays completely inside of the Thunder's yes. team system. Uh, he is not freelancing out there. He is uh. absolutely um, one of the most disciplined rookies that I've ever seen in my career. And it's interesting to see because he can affect the game on so many different levels. I mean, this this last game against San Antonio had 21, 7, and 10. Like He, yeah. can, he can affect the game on multiple levels. But we've also seen games where J-Dub has had four points and 
that's all he contributed offensively in terms of stat line. But yeah. he was also a great connector. He was great defensively. He made really heady heads-up plays on that end of the floor. And that's what allows Coach Dagnall to have the confidence to keep him in games. Because whether it's, oh, we need someone who can go in there and get boards and clean up the glass for us. Or we need someone who can lock down this particular perimeter player. Or we need a, we need a bucket. J-Dub is like very... He's kind of a chameleon in that sense yeah. where he's just going to kind of fit fit the gaps, fill, fill, the, fill the mold what's necessary, and we're seeing that each game that he's out there on the floor. Yeah, it certainly gives you a lot of reason to be excited as a Thunder fan, not just him, but just the way that, again, he has molded his game on a night-to-night basis mm-hmm. with what the team needs. And we see that from you know, Shea. We see that from Josh Giddy in particular. He's one of the best on the team at being able to kind of fit what the team needs. He's injured right now, but Kenrich Williams, I mean, that's been one of his calling cards as well. It's like, okay, you need 10 boards tonight. I'm going to go get them. Um, and so uh, as this team projects into the final stretch of the season and beyond, um, which is, you know, what this organization is focused on. It's focused on continuing to build. It's not focused on, uh, you know, a sprint to the finish line this season. It's focused on playing better basketball tomorrow than it did yesterday. And and I think um, as we talked about Usman, as we talk about J-Dub, um, these guys are all giving you reasons to feel like this Thunder organization is going to be able to do that. And it it gives you excitement about the next game because these guys are literally learning and growing in real time and taking steps forward from game to game, especially a guy like Usman who is taking every single game as as a as huge learning opportunity because he hasn't had that many games out there on the floor this season. So it's been very fun to watch, and you got to tune in to make sure that you watch them as well. Let's give you a little update as to what's on tap for the Thunder coming down the pipeline. Well, we're home for one game. <laughs> one game. And it's on Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets. Then the team heads north of the border to take on the Toronto Raptors on Thursday. Then back home to take on the Phoenix Suns on Sunday. And, y'all, this is going to be an interesting stretch, too, yeah. because of the amount of road games ahead of, ahead for the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, three really high-quality teams during this week. You mm-hmm. get those two home games that we talked about. And then after that, it's four straight on the West Coast. And, you know, just a a few more home and road games after that. We are really coming down to the final stretch of the season here. Uh, When you get into the the mid to low teens, um, that's, you know, some of the most exciting basketball. And um, obviously is going to be absolutely fascinating to see what this young Thunder team learns from being a part of this stretch. You know, you think there's only a handful of guys, maybe less, in Shea and Lou Dort as members of the Thunder who have been a part of, you know, kind of this wind down to the season where there's a lot on the line. And so for so many of these guys, there's so much to learn. And you think about what's being banked right now by these players in terms of what they'll be able to carry with them moving forward. Yeah, definitely a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon for the Thunder. So be sure to tune in Valley Sports Oklahoma. We got you covered. And always go to OKCThunder.com for uh, some post-game articles, yep. recaps, walkouts, you name it. We got you covered on, on the website. Until then, thank you so much for watching and tuning in. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, Thunder up and catch you later. <laughs>